Hello and welcome to our podcast. We're talking now next level, like a level up topic for my people who are actually ready to take on a new skill or new endeavor that perhaps you are fearful of. It's actually one of the number one fears in the entire world, and that's the fear of public speaking. <gasps> Is that you? It may be. All right. Now, talk yourself down from the ledge right quick here. All right. And for those of you who are actually ready to do this and you just have been hesitating or you don't even know where to begin, this is a skill. This is all that it is. It's no different than learning how to tie your shoes. It's no different than learning how to run with right form. It's, it's a skill. You can learn how to do it. It just begins with a decision. Now, I will tell you hands down that public speaking is going to be one of the best things that you can ever do to move your organization forward, to move your household forward, to move your personal situation forward. Because really, at the end of the day, it's like a giant sales pitch. That's all that it is. But your job as a, as a public speaker is to take whatever size venue this could be a small, you know, intimate little gathering of like three or five people, which is usually more awkward than when you're dealing with a gigantic place with like hundreds of people. Your job either way is to make that audience, all right, whatever size it is, like make it so comfortable in there and shrink that space down so that each person feels as comfortable there as they do in their own living room. That's the goal. Okay, now how do we go about doing this? All right, how do I, ugh, I can't even like make it through a sentence because I'm so nervous, I can't even breathe. Okay. All right, here's where we bring into, into action one of our past podcasts, and that's, that's how to command your emotionality. All right, so sit up in your chair here right quick. Let's work through this together. This is hilarious. All right, so here's the triage, okay, remember. How do we, you know, step back into our power and command our emotionality? Now, I'm going to take this in a different angle. The past podcast, we talked about commanding your emotionality so that you don't become aggravated. Okay? And I say that as I'm sitting outside and now I have noise interference from a motorcycle and the dog barking next door. Okay? So you never want to react. You simply want to respond. Okay? So we're focused. Focused. We're moving forward. But when it comes to commanding your emotionality as a public speaker, oftentimes, if this is new for you and you really don't enjoy it, you can use the same strategy to get your shit together <laughs> and give a great presentation. Okay, so here's the triage thing, all right? Let's remember, how do we quantify, you know, if something is worth our time, our energy, or our frustration, okay? We go down the triage list, remember? Is this an emergency? Yes or no? No. <laughs> and what quantifies an emergency? Is anybody dying or bleeding out? No. Therefore, it's not an emergency. So therefore, there's nothing to get excited about. Okay? And even if somebody is dying or bleeding out right now, is it you? No? Okay, then it's not your emergency. Okay, so still, at the end of the day, it's not an emergency, it's not your emergency, and therefore, it doesn't get any of your time, effort, or energy. Okay? Now, here's the other thing which is going to help you step up into your role as a public speaker. And then we'll get into some of, like, the how-tos for those of you who have never done this before. 
okay? This is what you need to know. This is what has to do with like how you're feeling inside. That overwhelming, like fear, <gasps> okay, of public speaking. Or you know what you want to say, you're really not sure how to say it, or you like it's just like what what's come out so fast that you can hardly even like like you're the guy from the Micro Machine commercial. Okay, so just take a chill pill here. This is what I would like for you to consider. All right, it's going to help you make that transition from being in a place of fear and stepping back into your power, so that you can deliver a wonderful presentation and connect with your audience so that they walk away feeling your your stuff, okay? Because this is not like you want to stand behind a podium and like Mr. Roboto and just deliver like you're reading off of a paper. You got to make it real. Like your, your people have to feel you and be able to connect with you if you want to make that impact. Just sometimes you get yourself all worked up and then what happens? Then your adrenaline kicks in and then your heart is beating so hard and fast outside of your chest and then you get out of breath and then you're sweating and then you're not really sure if you have to pee or, you know, crap and now you're just like, oh my God, I'm about to lose my dick. <laughs> you didn't even get started yet, okay? So here's what I'm gonna ask for you to consider, okay? And this has to do with feelings inside. A little bit about energy and a little bit about how this plays out in the body. So this is what you need to know. Any sort of working up emotion, whether this is excitement or nervousness, they vibrate at the same frequency. They, they cause the same physical effects inside of your body. And many times we simply experience those feelings and remember them more so with things that are painful. You can thank the left side of your brain for that one, okay? It causes you to have these feelings of worry from that one time in the third grade when you had to give your book report and all the kids laughed at you because you had a piece of spinach in your tooth that your mom made you eat, you know, in some sort of weird green, you know, drink, omelet thing before you left for school and everyone laughed and like that was the end of the story and so you have all these feelings of like you know working up and that's what you what it goes back to okay that may have happened okay but like fast forward a bazillion years we're not there anymore okay you're a grown person now you're ready to move to the next level this is what I'm going to challenge you to think about okay number one is this an emergency yes or no no okay Number two, when you're starting to feel those, those feelings of being worked up like that, I want you to thoughtfully consider the fact that perhaps you're actually excited in a good way. Okay? So instead of taking the hard left towards, oh my God, I'm feeling all worked up and this is going to be painful and this is going to suck and I'm going to get my ass kicked and everyone's going to laugh and I'm never going to be as Beth and there goes my career and there's going to be like my reputation and I'm just going to pass out and then they're going to call 911 and this is really going to be an emergency. <laughs> I want you to just think about the fact, okay, you know what? You have feelings of excitement. Maybe it's actually happy. Like you're giddy with the potential and like the possibility of opportunity. Ha ha, okay? So now we're gonna take you down a different direction. We're gonna take you right instead of hard left into that area of pain misery. You see how simple that was? Just like that. It was a simple shift in your mindset rather than standing underneath the basketball net and hoping and praying that everything goes okay and that you know the basket comes through and you score. This is you now sitting on top of the basketball net 
with the basketball and just calmly dropping it into the net with swish, like no rim. That's the difference. It's all in your mind. Okay, that's the power of your mind. Okay, now after that, the passion that you use to infuse your presentation, that comes from your heart. Okay, so mindset of a champion and heart of a warrior. That's, that's what we leverage here. Okay, it feels better already, doesn't it? I know. Okay, now, third thing. How do you step into your power and make a great presentation without kind of being like a dictator from the front of the room and turning into a giant spaz? <laughs> I know what it's like when you have something that you are incredibly passionate about and you just kind of like get into your zone and you're just like trying to deliver this stuff and, and now you're sweating and you're probably spitting as you're talking and... All right, you still gotta get your act together, okay? Because it's about commanding the room, not controlling the room. Two different things, okay? And again, here's gonna be a tactic and a strategy that you can use during preparation. You can even, I've used this when I felt like the pressure in the room was building and it wasn't something that I was doing intentionally as the speaker. It was just like, I did a lot of mandatory training. This was how I started to groom my career as a public speaker, as I did mandatory training for healthcare professionals, both in the pre-hospital and like in hospital um, or in facility sectors. And so it could, be, it could have been anything like CPR classes. They have to have that in order to have their license, in order to have their job. So something like that, the people have to be there. And let me tell you, their attitude reflects it. <laughs> like, like, I gotta go to this damn class. Blah, blah, blah. I know how to do it. Blah, blah. And it's just like, sometimes then you show up and, you know, people just seem like they have a bug up their ass and you can't make any headway because they come in with a freaking chip on their shoulder for whatever reason. Okay? I've used this in those situations or you know sometimes in the fire departments you know they had something happen five minutes before I walked in the door it had nothing to do with me it had to do with union negotiations or you know something like that and you walk into a room of men who you know have a bug up their ass about something else like you got to do something to diffuse and like neutralize the emotions in the room otherwise you are going to have a hard time all right, now that usually is not the case. When you're doing a presentation, this is gonna be like the light at the end of the tunnel for you, that when you're doing any sort of presentation, you're speaking with people who want to be there, they have voluntarily gone there, especially if they pay money to go. Now that's like best case scenario. That's like having a room of not just like warm prospects, that's like hot prospects, they wanna be there. They, you know, they pay attention better, they interact better, so it's, it's night and day. But if you find yourself, you know, and you're, you're going through the training and you're in those situations in an angry room, diffuse it. And you can do that with the power of your breath. So this is gonna help you get your shit together so that you're not breathing so fast because, you know, the emergency algorithm just wasn't enough. And no, Nick, I don't think that I'm, you know, all worked up because I'm excited. I really am nervous. I'm about to pee my pants. Okay, get your shit together, all right? <laughs> all right, take a couple of slow, deep breaths. 
All right, this is pathophys. This is not crazy. This is documented scientific fact. Okay, what else do you need? All right, so let's slow the nervous system down. And this is simply by taking a few slow breaths in and out and invite the audience to do this with you. I'm telling you, it works as such a tremendous clearing tool that when you're finished, you have these calm, interactive, just really happy people and you can mold them and build up the, the whole entire event after that. It's awesome. So it's just the power of your breath. Okay, so sit up one little second here. Expand your chest. Take a nice breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. Again, inhale and exhale. Inhale and exhale. One more time, inhale and exhale. It feels better already, right? Yeah, because that's actually your nervous system. All right, I'll save you the neuro geeky talk. I'm just gonna tell you, physiologically, like what is happening inside of your body when you do that, you're actually switching from high speed adrenaline, driving and speaking like a maniac, to the opposite side of your nervous system, which actually acts like a braking mechanism. It slows stuff down. It slows your heart rate down. It decreases how strong your poor heart has to pump. So it makes those palpitations that you have in your throat, it makes them go away. <laughs> it decreases your blood pressure. It allows you to restore peripheral vision. Usually when you get yourself all jacked up, all of a sudden, the only thing you can see is like one thing. That's it. <laughs> it's like a door in the back of the room. That's all I can focus on. Oh my God, right? No one's gonna be there to slap you across the face. <sighs> you know, like, um, what was her name? In Moonstruck, Cher. Remember when she slapped a Nicholas Cage across the face, like snap out of it? No one's gonna be there to do that for you. You have to command the room. And again, just like everything, you've gotta lead yourself, command yourself first, okay? So you can do this. You can do this secretly and not tell anybody or do this with the audience and they're actually gonna feel so much better. They're gonna think that you're magic. <laughs> they're, not, they're gonna be like, ah, oh, I do feel a lot better. And you can draw attention to the elephant in the room. Ask them, don't you feel a lot better? And you're gonna see on their face. I mean, trust me, I, here's what I'm gonna tell you. If this works with the freaking fire service and they, they will back that up, I'm telling you, it will work with anybody. Just, <laughs> Trust me when I tell you this. I, I just, that's all I can say. Everything. <laughs> you know, the relationship is like that love-hate thing. They're like the most loving people. Sometimes they just, they annoy the shit out of me. Like they just like my last nerve. Ugh. But it was a really great training ground for me to learn how to navigate and triumph in the most trying conditions because then when you come out of, you know, this is the same thing with you. You come out of those trying conditions and now you're in a different space. All of a sudden, everything is easier, right? But you, you have to learn how to handle the worst in order to become the best. 
right? Okay, so you can do that. Now, when you're doing these breaths and you ask them, like, doesn't that feel better? Like, if you're nervous, draw attention to it. Talk, I mean, people will tell you to do otherwise, but you know what? Your audience is going to be able to tell. I mean, if you're up there, like, gulping, like, every two seconds, and, like, they're going to know. Because you're going to forget stuff. You're going to be dropping things. You're going to trip over the air. I mean, you're going to make like, a mess of yourself. Just say, holy shit, I'm nervous this morning. Like you, It's okay for you to do that. The more human you become, the better your level of connectivity. Okay? From a public speaking standpoint. But when you're doing straight up education, it's a little bit different of a format. But when you're looking to do, like, how do you connect with your audience how do you present a case for action? How do you spawn change? It's about that level of connection and that influence that you have over the people who are seated in the room. Okay, so it's sales, it's high level sales, it's all that it is. So, you know, draw attention to humanity, show them how you fix it, okay? And before you ever even get started, those people, they're gonna walk away with a giant piece of information that they're gonna use in their personal and professional lives. You don't know how they're going to use that. When people come to hear you speak, they're coming for a bunch of different reasons. Not all of which is simply the content or the information that you're delivering. Sometimes the people in the audience are there to hear how you think. How did you handle a situation? Okay, and that includes your presentation. Okay, you know, what did, you know, Joe Blow do when, you know, his audiovisual, you know, presentation broke? <laughs> you know, did we have, did we go home? Did we get a rain check? Like, what the hell happened? No, he, the show went on. And not only did it go on, he freaking came in and freaking kicked ass. It was probably better without the PowerPoint. Okay, and that's, they're going to see how you operate under levels of stress, how you think and how you handle yourself. And those are the pearls that happen on a subconscious level, but impact people on a very, very high level. And that's what, that's what causes collaboration and networking from decision makers. Okay, or I'm thinking about doing this thing. Now, all of a sudden, they see how you handle yourself under stress. They feel like they can trust you because you show your humanity, you have a way to correct it, you taught them how to do the same, and all of a sudden, guess what? You've positioned yourself as an expert, and you haven't even freaking opened your mouth to deliver the information that you're there to deliver. So it all, I mean, this starts out, it's so cool, like when you start thinking about this, okay? So there you have it. Now, the other thing I'm gonna tell you, depending on where you're speaking, okay? The more we call upfront, planning and information you can gather and do before this thing even begins, the better it's going to be for you. And that's going to include a bunch of different things. Like what's the venue? Is this classroom? Is this auditorium? Is this banquet room? Is this outside? Is this a gym? It's going to help you plan a lot of different things. Like what are you wearing? And I don't mean that from like a fashion plate standpoint. I mean, if you're going to be outside and it's cold out there, I mean, you, you kind of got to know that, right? Or on the flip side, you know, perhaps you're going to be, <laughs> this is learned the hard way. I, I was doing this as like one of the very first conferences that I ever had spoke at. And it was, uh, I think it was, it was one of the chiefs, it was the Illinois um, 
Chiefs Association. And it was a spring symposium and I didn't know all the questions to ask. And um, they provided a mic as a, as a wireless mic. And in my mind, I think I knew that I was gonna be wearing one, but the one that I had seen was one that either Beyonce or Oprah wore on stage. It was like this little thin thing that clipped to like their racer style bra. So it was like light, virtually invisible, like you just slip it on, it's like end of story. So when I was, you know, planning my, my, my wardrobe, which is like this big thing, it wasn't uh, for that day, I didn't, to ask about what the microphone was going to be and because I wasn't obviously a, a man or the stereotypical fire chief you know the individual who's presenting for the fire chief I didn't wear pants with a belt and when I got there the mic it was wireless or hands-free rather it was actually wired but it was more old-fashioned and the box that had the battery in it was big and it was heavy and it was supposed to be belt loop attached like a belt attached or a belt loop attached and I didn't have that so now I had <laughs> so funny <laughs> these fire chiefs who were supposed to you know do this audiovisual thing now they're trying to come up with some creative solution on how to get me mic but there was nothing to attach it to and then I didn't even know them so it was like doubly awkward for them because they weren't sure where's the line should we touch the, her like this is her waist like we don't like they were sweating bullets it was so funny but what I'm saying is sometimes you go into these things and you don't even know the questions that you should ask you'll learn it as you go through but that's going to be you know what's the environment what's the space that you're going to be presenting in if you have the opportunity to walk through it the day before you present that's going to help you it's going to help you with acclimation to your environment it's going to help you to understand the setup of the room so that you can do what's going to help you to position yourself for success if that even includes like you know visualizing your audience sitting there like how are you going to be able to walk in between tables or is this classroom style like what are you going to use what's going to be your arsenal your tools to use to make the connection with every single person who's in that audience. Okay, now you might be thinking like, well shit, that, I, I don't even think I'm a bit, hold on, okay? Public speaking is a craft just like anything else. The more you do it, the more you practice it, the better you're gonna get. Okay, so this is not a matter of if, this is actually a matter of when, when you get to that level, that's all that it is. Just like anything else. Just like when you first start out writing in kindergarten, like your letters, they go one here and then the other one is up and then the other one is over and then there's this other one which is down. Like your name is not in a straight line. It's all over the flipping page or all these different sizes because you're learning how to hold a writing utensil. And I know that we type a lot these days, but I'm talking like people still have to learn how to write. Okay, and then you learn how to print on those penmanship lines, if they even teach that. Uh, my kids are gonna learn how to do that. But do you remember how to doing that? You remember doing that, right? And then you learn how to hold a pen. Do you remember learning how to write with a pen as opposed to a crayon? Totally different feel. And then as you write, like you get better, you develop your signature and, and, and life moves on. Like it's a craft and you can spend time practicing so that it becomes more beautiful if that's what you like to have, pretty handwriting or not. It's your choice. Same thing with public speaking. 
Okay, but I'm going to tell you there's a lot of value in having that skill and honing that craft because it actually makes you indispensable for any organization, for any group that you're working with. That's going to be like I always say, keep an ace up your sleeve. That's going to be the big one right there. Public speaking, hands down. And the one thing that will help you, in addition to how much pre-planning you know should go into before you actually make the presentation, the core of your material, you've got to know what the f you're talking about. You can't. I, I think as you get better, and people just kind of spontaneously invite you up on stage to speak about things, that's a different. That's a whole different level. But as your first beginning, know your stuff. Know what it is that you're talking about, and don't. Don't hinge yourself on having, again, audiovisual materials as your backbone. You have to be prepared for like mechanical failure, <laughs> meaning like the thing doesn't work. Okay? And I know it's so fun. We all like to have YouTube, social media stuff. You know, you can do really fun things with the presentations nowadays to get your audience interacted. But I'll tell you again, based on where you speak, if you're still doing kind of like what we'll call like basic operations, like you don't have a dedicated AV group helping you with this stuff while you're, you know, focusing on your presentation, this is on you. And you can plan all damn day and you can show up with the best intentions to pull in social media clips, you know, or movie trailers or, you know, something that's going to add to the level of, of your, of your presentation but if that organization has some sort of security or firewalls up that inhibits or prevents them from having social media come through what are you going to do do you see what i'm saying like it's great to have those things in there i totally encourage it i use them all the time but again you're going to have to ensure that that stuff is able to come through so again conversations to do on the pre-planning side does that make sense now the day of Okay, so let's skip around and then, or skip forward here and, and get to some of the, the meat and potatoes about it. The day of, you wanna be sure that you get there early. Okay, and by early, I don't mean three minutes before. I mean early isn't early. Like, at least now we're early. I don't care what you do, just get there early. Okay, it's so much better if you can be there early before they need you so that you can get your shit together and you can chill the F down if you need to. There's nothing worse than trying to stress out and drive to a venue when you have all kinds of things that you have to do. I'm telling you, right? Because that, that's when Murphy's Law kicks in. If you're running late, guess what? You're getting stuck by a train. You're in all of a sudden like torrential downpour. There, you're having a bad hair day. Um, I, I don't even know. That's just the way that it is. And then you arrive on scene, you can't find parking, and now you're trying to run and get there. Nothing is worse than that. And when you present, like it shows. It shows that you are all frazzled and worked up. And then your people, like they just don't walk away with the same value as they would had you been early. Okay, so if you're not early, you're late. All right, so just take that as a walk, as, as a takeaway there. Always get there early. The other thing is this is not the time to experiment with food on the go. Now, I know a lot of people don't even actually think about this, and you might think, like, she's just crazy about nutrition, and I'm all about having nutrition and things, but I'm going to tell you, the more you do public speaking, the more you're going to realize how important it is to have proper nutrition and hydration in place because public speaking actually takes a lot of energy out of you. And when you speak, 
this is, again, this is a physiology concept. The more you talk, you, you know how you have vapor in your breath? You lose water. So you actually become dehydrated because you're talking so much. Now don't use that against your wife or your husband if, you, if you're married to the talker, okay? So you're honey, you're getting dehydrated. Okay, don't say Nicole said so. <laughs> All right, but that's what you need to know as the public speaker. So you have to come in fully energized and fully hydrated with plans for replenishment, okay? And we'll talk about that some other time, but here's where I'm gonna dovetail this in is be mindful about where you're getting your food the 24 hours leading up to your public speaking event. Me, myself, I bring my own food, partially because I need to have gluten-free and I never know what I'm gonna find, but the other thing is I don't wanna be getting sick. If you've ever had to, to present when you are sick, there is nothing worse, right? Could you imagine if, you're, if you had freaking diarrhea from the food that you ate and now you're supposed to stand up there and give a three-hour presentation? How's that gonna go over? <laughs> and you laugh, but it's totally true. So you want to be mindful about that food. And this is not the time to experiment with new foods before then either. If you can, you know, eat the same thing. See how you feel. This is why in the other end of my academy where we do more like education and like nutrition and fitness, we talk about eating for energy and then eating for high performance. All right, because it actually dovetails into fueling what you actually need to support you, you know, activity-wise, whether this is public speaking or, you know, building out your organization or, or whatnot. So, you know, different topic for a different day. Make sure that you're replacing your water. And then, you know, just go up there and have fun. And if you make a mistake, here's the other thing, own up to it. There's gonna be times if you've ever if you've ever done this and i know I've, i think i've done this on these podcasts a couple times i don't think i know where you go to say something and you say it backwards and then you're like three paragraphs down the road you know of what you're speaking and then all of a sudden you're like oh shoot did i say that and sometimes your audience will call you out on it but other times they won't some of them are mature and they understand what you're saying and then the rest of them are sitting sitting there like totally like befuddled like wait did she just say or did he just say that i thought i thought that he said the other thing and he doesn't know what he's talking about it he's making mistakes blah 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 blah. okay so if you make a mistake again call attention to the elephant in the room and say hold on did i just say blah 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 and then look to them okay this is a secret create what's called yes momentum so if you get them saying yes, did I just say blah, 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 blah? Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Strike that, let, let's, let's go back. Let me rephrase this. Let me recapture this, okay? So again, re-say what your mistake was. This is what the, how it really is. This is the truth right here, okay? Again, that's going to increase their level of respect for you. It's gonna increase your level of posture and command over the room, because you're human. You called attention to the fact that you're flawed. You made the appropriate, you know, change there. All right, and you work not to do it again. They're gonna appreciate that. And then when they go to speak to somebody, if they make a mistake, they're gonna do the same thing because they're gonna see that it's okay to call attention to the place where you screwed up. Okay, just, just rectify it. Again, is anybody dying or bleeding out here? No, that's not an emergency. Okay, <laughs> right? Isn't that a useful, like, algorithm? I know, you can use that. 
All right, so here's here's gonna be an example for you. All right, this is this was like the quintessential example of why all the things that I just talked about have to be. Okay, so this was a presentation that I had done. This was actually the first time I had spoke to, this was the biggest group of people I had ever spoken to at this time. So it was a trauma symposium that I was invited to come in and speak to about, I think it was 400 people. So it, the people in the audience were firefighters, paramedics, um, ER and trauma nurses, and then um, there were a few physicians there. And maybe there were a few cops. There were people from the law enforcement side too. But it was mostly the, the health providers who were in there. And the next part of it was that I knew most of them. And I don't know about you, but it's kind of like when you speak with people or to people who you know, you're never really sure how it's going to go because sometimes they want to make a joke out of things. Okay, so for me, it's actually harder to speak with the people that I know than it is to a group of complete strangers. All right, so picture 400 of the, you know, your closest friends are sitting there and this was going to be a trauma symposium so 400 people there and I was due to be the third speaker of the day so they had the opening speaker the second one and then I was due to be third so when I woke up that morning it actually was like ridiculously dark and overcast like there was a storm that was coming so I left my house very early now I was wearing okay my family's Italian and I totally had on one of those velour track suits. I did, okay? <laughs> I had my sparkly flip-flops on, I had my hair up in like a, a top knot, and um, did I even have makeup on? I don't think that I did. No, I didn't. I had some makeup on, but I didn't put mascara on because it was raining and I didn't want it to smudge. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna get in my car. I got all this time. I'm gonna get to the venue and then I'll get myself ready because I'm like the third speaker, you know? So then I had my clothes and I had like all this stuff. And I was gonna be speaking on an, a dimension of firefighter wellness. And it was the role of what we call heat stress. So long story short, you know, when the guys and girls go in there, they actually can die from being exposed to high temperatures like that. It causes all these problems in the body, like dehydration obviously but it also causes them to form like these blood clots inside of their body and they die usually like in the 24 hours after a particular fire now here was the deal this was the reason why I was allowed to speak at this trauma conference because actually what I was speaking on was not a traumatic injury what I was speaking on was a potential cause for a traumatic injury Meaning, if they had some accident due to massive, massive dehydration, and let's say they passed out, and they fell over a railing at the scene of a fire and incurred a traumatic injury, this is what you have to be on the lookout for. Not just the traumatic injury, but you've got to know what happens with heat stress so that as you're recovering them and taking care of them, you won't be caught you know, with your pants down. You're going to know what's going on with them so you can keep them from dying. Okay, or if they had a slip, trip, or fall and they hit their head or they fell through, you know, stairs or something like that, the traumatic injury would have been the present, like the presenting problem, but they have to know this other dimension. So it was imperative. 
for me to paint like what was happening on the medical front, but to make that tie into this traumatic injury. So that was the reason, like that was said to me over and over again, Nick, you know, do your thing. We love how you speak. We love how you connect. You have to tie it into trauma. This is a trauma symposium. So I thought, oh, this is a no brainer. This is simple. So that's what I was doing. Okay, so I had props there. I, I had so many objectives with this thing, and I had um, jumps, uh, not jumpsuits, jeez Louise, um, fire gear, you know, the bunker pants and, and the coat, so that people from the audience could actually step into it and see how hot it actually gets. Because I can tell you all day, like it gets hot, but unless you actually feel it, it, it changed, like it's part of like the breakthrough strategy to get people's minds to switch, you know, through an experience and to get people up out of their chair. Because let's face it, in that world, nobody is a in the chair learner. We're, we all like to be up doing stuff. Okay, so I had a couple of fire dudes that I knew they were going to help. You know, I was going to ask ER nurses to don this gear. So I had to have them to help them get dressed because I, you know, was speaking. And I had a PowerPoint. And I mean, I was ready though, like for all this stuff. I had a dress with a belt so that if I had that ridiculous box to wear for the microphone I was going to be already like I was like ready to go so it starts raining okay at this place I get there and <laughs> uh, you know my hair again is in, in this top knot and I'm there before the symposium even starts due to be the third speaker and it's tick tock tick tock tick tock it's quarter to the beginning and all of a sudden one of the the women who's running the organization comes up to me and she says <laughs> Is there any chance that you can go on now or no first and I looked at her and I said well when's that and I wasn't paying attention to like what time it started I just I knew I was there early and she goes in 15 minutes I, was like, oh. I didn't have any makeup on I wasn't you know I had my tracksuit on I didn't it wasn't like dressed you know like the pantyhose thing like it takes like a while for you to get ready so I was like okay so I gave them my that little jump drive thing that had my presentation on there. And I had some really cool pictures from a particular fire that some of the guys that uh, I had been working with were at. And again, it was a, it was set up banquet style. The room was like a, a giant rectangle. So at the front of the room was at like, it was the long end of the triangle. And there was a stage like with a podium because everybody else is like a behind the podium speaker, but that's not me. Okay, I like to be out and walking around and sometimes I have to, you know, crack the fire dudes on their head because, you know, sometimes they need that, you know, that little bit of attention or <laughs> pay attention or whatever. So I was like, okay, fine. So I'm getting ready. I'm in the bathroom. I grab one of my girlfriends. You know, she's helping me like zip up, you know, the back of my dress. I'm trying to do something with my crazy curly hair that's out of control now because it's humid and I don't really know when my hair turned curly in my adulthood, but it did. I'm trying to, you know, put my mascara on and all these things. So I get ready, okay, in like these 13 minutes, I'm there. And all of a sudden, <laughs> they tell me, uh, they, they wanted me to stand behind the podium. And I said, well, remember, I, I don't stand behind the podium. And they're like, oh, okay, well, um, you need to be able to advance your PowerPoint. And I said, yeah, where's the clicker? Like, you know, remote control. They're like, well, we don't have a clicker. And I said, well, okay, well, give me the mouse. And so then the mouse didn't work. And so then what we did was we had the one of the girls who was running it, <laughs> she became my Vanna White. So she stood at the laptop, which was up at the podium. 
and that allowed me to have you know this microphone thing clipped on and I was you know walking around and again this is banquet style now so you have picture a banquet room and you have that carpet that has like those really like big designs on it right they're like red or gold with like the black outline on it that's what it was and on both ends of the front of the room there was like these gigantic speakers on these like tri like these tri stands they were huge like you would have at a wedding and so as this thing was going or we started out um i had to be in a mental place because now like i would i had I had given this presentation so many times, like I could do it in my sleep, that I didn't even have to think anymore about when I would advance to the next slide. Like it, it just became natural to me. But now there was more responsibility on me because I had to cue my Vanna White in order to do it. And she had never seen this before. So she's trying to watch, <laughs> she's trying to watch a presentation and trying to see me at the same time. And the lights are a little bit dim inside of there. So I'm, you know, making like these big hand signals. Like I was on working on like a runway of, of an aircraft, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, you know, cueing her to try to like advance before I even say the thing. I got, you know, this table of firemen in the back. They're in their loving, joking, pain in the ass way, giving me a hard time. So you got to call attention to the elephant in the room and just, you know, ask for permission if it's, you know, okay for me to talk now. And, you know, I'll see you guys for lunch on Tuesday, you know, but it's not your day today. And so you're always here, you're trying to do this. And it, I swear to God, it was like one thing after another. So as I'm walking, I got Vanna White up there. You know, I've got, you know, my two guys on standby to help, you know, the civilian people get dressed in the fire gear when they need to be. I walk over to one area of the room and all of a sudden, you know that really shrill reverb that happens when you get too close to something with your microphone? Like, and everybody's like ears like they're, ah, like that. That's what happened. But I couldn't totally see when and where that happened because it was a little bit dim over there. And I, I couldn't, like there was no demarcation of the field. So then I had to learn how close to the speaker thing <laughs> could I actually get without getting that ear piercing, deafening sound, you know, from the feedback on both sides of the room. It was hilarious. Not really, but it, it kind of was at the time. There was nothing that I could do. But this is when I started integrating like the power of that breath because it was just like one thing after another. So what had happened was the guy who was supposed to, who's a physician who was supposed to speak first, that's, remember I told you, like you never know what's gonna happen, Murphy's Law on the way to, it was raining cats and dogs. And what happened was the route that he was taking, he had to cross over train tracks there was a pedestrian that got hit or a car that got hit by a train who was trying to go around the, the railroad tracks because it was, I, I don't know if it shorted out or whatever, like the gates were down for a long period of time. And whoever was crossing it thought apparently that it was because of the weather, but there was actually a train came. And so if you've ever been stuck at that accident, you're stuck there for hours. And he literally, like there was nowhere for him to go. He couldn't turn around, he couldn't take a side street. So he was stuck there. And then the second speaker hadn't even, like they couldn't even make contact with him. They didn't know where he was yet. And so the only person who was there was me. Okay, so it puts you in a really cool position because you almost like saved the day, you know? I'm ready to go, I don't care when I give this. You know, the biggest problem that I had was, I had my track, you know, my velour track suit on. <laughs> right? 
<laughs> freaking Goomba sometimes, I swear to God. For uh, being a non-Goomba, sometimes it just comes out, all right? But there you go. I mean, you're, you're there and, and you're like, you're ready to party, okay? The next thing that happens is, you know, you don't have that particular audiovisual support that you were counting on. It doesn't matter. The show still has to go on. The presentation is not dependent on you having that stuff. That stuff supports you. And so you have to take your, you have to take control of the ship again. And when things start to get out of line, as it sometimes does, either if you're speaking to people whom you know or people who, and this wasn't the case there, but in other places it can be, people who intentionally try to, de try to derail your program, you have to know how to recapture that and, and get command of the room again. Position yourself as the leader. And sometimes you have to call attention to the elephant in the room, somebody who's acting obnoxious. Usually what I do is I make a big joke and all of a sudden they become a spectacle without them even knowing that it's happening to them. I know. I hate to be like that, but sometimes that's what you got to do. <laughs> oh my God. So then as we're going on, would you believe that my microphone gives out? I'm not even kidding you. I, it felt like I was in a jungle and like every single step, there was like another vine that I had to use my machete and come down because it was just like one thing after another. Well, then the microphone gives out. So the, the, the wireless one or the cordless one. And so then I had grabbed the regular microphone that had like the long black cord to it. Now I have heels on, okay? And if you know me, like I like my shoes. So I'm on this carpet, right? That has that design on it with the black, you know, outline around, you know, the colors on the carpet. Well, the microphone cord is black too. And I am not sitting there, like I'm not trying to pay attention to the cord. I'm trying to still engage with my people because I'm trying to get these nurses up now to get dressed. I got to cue the firemen. Like there's a lot of stuff happening in my presentation. <laughs> and now I have to worry about this flipping cord and I still have that reverb. But now as I'm going to take a step backwards, as sometimes I do, now I'm worried that I have to freaking trip over this damn cord with my cute shoes. <laughs> so, like you're just laughing like the insanity of this is is nuts but I'm telling you when you have that level of comfortability with your material I mean it seriously doesn't matter I mean and then the microphone didn't even work so now we're relying on my loud vocals in order to be able to speak in all directions to, to continue to engage all 400 people inside of the room like it was one thing after another well, don't you know it? Remember why I was there? Like I had to make the statement to tie in this element of what's happening, you know, physically inside the bodies of people who are exposed to heat, the firefighters with heat. I had to tie it in as a potential cause of traumatic injury and what to expect as they are doing trauma resuscitation and then continual rehabilitation for them. I missed it on the mark. Like I didn't outline it to the magnitude that I needed to. So I didn't attach it to point of application. And that came through and I knew it after I finished, like after I finished presentation, I am always like my worst critic. I'm usually deadbeat tired once the last person who has questions goes away. I'm deadbeat tired, it expends a lot of energy and I immediately go into, let me channel through every single word that I said. How could I have said it better? Did it, did it come out the way that I wanted to? And I knew that I didn't make that point of application as great as I should have. I knew it. And it came through on the evaluations. 
it was only like two evaluations. But by that point in time, I've already, you know, hashed it through a bazillion times. So it might as well bend all of them because I knew I was, I was hired. Like I was actually, my company, my corporation was paid to present at that one. I, I totally dropped the ball. And it didn't matter. I mean, it didn't matter that I got moved or I moved myself from the third speaker to the first that I, you know, essentially saved the symposium. It didn't matter, all right? The people are there for trauma information. They're not there for all this other mumbo jumbo. It didn't matter that I, you know, got dressed in 12 minutes. It didn't matter, you know, that my, my I had to have Vanna White instead of, you know, my clicker. It didn't matter that my microphone went out. It didn't matter that I had the microphones went out. It didn't matter that I was worried about tripping or anything like that. What mattered was the delivery of the material. And that was the one area where I fell down and I didn't deliver the actual key point. Now, as an aside, what actually happened then too was I was standing there uh, and this was, this was where I started to learn about, you know, conflict of interest and, and being very clear in your opening, like your presentation, because sometimes you're grooming yourself as a public speaker, but maybe you're you're working a job someplace else, and that's how people know you. Like everybody in that place knew me as a nurse who currently worked for an organization. However, it was my corporation which actually got paid for that venue. And so I made a statement, again, I was there building a case for action and about how, you know, firefighter deaths, nearly 50% of them are caused, you know, our line of duty deaths are caused from cardiovascular accident. And so I was bringing in like elements of public health as it pertained to like childhood obesity and, and things like that. And I made a statement and I said I was working a, a, an event, you know, in my business where I experienced blah, 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 blah. And I used that as a tie-in. Well, there were a few people there who I worked with for this particular organization. And when I got to work that following, I think it was Monday, I actually got called into my boss's office. I know, I was not there on company time. I wasn't, you know, getting paid double dipping or anything like that, I was not. But it was my mistake to not open that up and say, you know, I, yes, I work for this organization, but today, you know, I'm here representing my own company or something to buffer, you know, that potential, you know, conflict of interest there. And what happened was they started to reprimand me for making not just like um, references, but like pointing out what I learned in my business and how that was completely inappropriate. So then I came back, of course, in a very, very, at that point, I was pretty much done, like terse way and, and pointed out the fact that if you had checked my schedule, I was not on company time. My, organi my, my corporation was actually paid for that. And then he just sat there and he was like, your corporation? He was studying for his MBA at the time. And I said, yes. So, I mean, it, that pissed me off. But again, that was my fault and my flaw for not being prepared for that and not preparing my listeners for that either. Okay, so I don't know that you're going to have that similar sorts of situation, but usually like Murphy's Law, when I go through tests, like boom, 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 like it's one after another and the test continues afterwards, you know, pretty much to see how bad do you want this. And at the end of the day, I mean, it was not that big of a deal, but you know, point in case is you have to be ready then for what people will say afterwards. And you can either choose to absorb it and let it wreck your year, or you can take it with a grain of salt, see if there's elements of truth inside of there. Should I bolster this up a little bit? Should I, you know, can I use this as an instrument to actually improve? 
okay, and then and be able to deliver more value. So I mean, everything is a training ground, not just, you know, you're being up in the front of the room, but everything that goes along with it. And every single presentation that you do, you get better and better and better. And then you're able to operate at the level then where it doesn't matter who's sitting there. If it's my friends, if it's my enemies, if it's people who I've never seen before, you're still able to maintain a very high level of professionalism that's warm and it's, it's approachable and it's, it's, it's high level. And you have total control of like the energy of the room and you can build momentum and you can cause people to stand up and, and take action. And that's what, what I was working to do inside of this room. And you can totally do it too. It just takes practice, all right? With a lot of intentionality and pre-planning to know, you know, what is it that you, that you want to get out of this situation? So, you know, with all things, like you've got, you've got, Stephen Covey said it, you have to start with the end in mind. What is it? What is your goal? You know, perhaps when you're starting out, your goal is to make it through a sentence <gasps> without hyperventilating. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. All right. You know, small victories. <laughs> Maybe. You know, after that, it's how do I work a PowerPoint? I have no idea. I don't know. How do I, how do I breathe? How should I stand? What should I eat? Do I have goals? Should I get people up out of their seat? How do I look at people in the eye and kind of walk the line of making them a little bit uncomfortable versus like being a creeper who just is like staring people down with your intense gaze? Ah! You know what I'm saying? It's, it's being able, it's, it's commanding the room. There's no better way to say it than that. Okay? And you want to make it so that people are so engaged in in your you want to create an experience for them that's the goal right an experience that like there was so much awesome like they want to come back and see it and they want to bring their friends (laughs) i mean that's when it starts to get crazy good so on the other end is what happens afterwards all right be ready be ready with ways to collect people's information be ready with cards be ready to collect their information, all right? People will lose business cards. People will lose your email. You know, now everybody's attention is so, you know, random and fast that you're on to the next thing. You have got to have a way to collect their information. So whether you have them text you their information, I mean, this is up to you. I mean, this is the wonder of technology, what you're able to do. You can ask them to go onto social media and follow you. I mean, you, you, there is like no limit to what you're able to do, but you then want to stay in these people's faces and you want to still make connections with them, not be selling on them nine times out of 10. You want to establish relationship and how do we put our minds together? How do we do something awesome together? Is there anything I can do to serve your organization, to assist you in any way? You know, you build rapport and your business out from there. Okay, but you literally have to be ready at every single dimension, all the time, no matter what. And it's fun. I promise you, it will get better. It will get better, okay? So today, let's make a goal, your challenge. What is it for you? Where are you at? You know, is this something that's so new for you that you you can't even like, oh my God, is it gonna pass out? (gasps) Okay, maybe your first step 
is to give yourself a speech in the mirror. I don't know, look at yourself in the mirror. I guarantee you, if you can do that, you're gonna be able to present to anybody, okay? Because you're looking at yourself and you know all of your shit. <laughs> it's gonna be like no worse critic. Maybe that's the first starting point. Maybe it's actually practicing when you sense that, that level of pressure or emotionality like rising up in you, like acknowledging it, like recognizing it instantaneously. And then working on commanding your breath. Maybe that's where you can begin. Maybe your practice point is reading out loud. I don't know. I mean, maybe, I don't know where your starting point is. I'm just throw, I'm throwing things out there for you so that you have a, a starting point. I mean, everybody has a beginning. I don't care what anybody says. If you look at, look at Les Brown, for God's sakes. He is one of the world's best speakers. He tells his story like he was that kid. He was the kid who when got up in the front of the room, like his teacher made him do it. And he didn't even make it through his very first presentation. And like his little prepubescent voice was all cracking and stuff. And then he, the, the teacher made him do it again next year after all the kids laughed at him. And that man, that's what he's paid for now. He's paid as one of the world's most inspirational and motivational speakers ever across the world. So he speaks to hundreds of thousands of people. That's what he does for a living. He turned his weakness into a strength and monetized it. <laughs> That's awesome, you know? It's cool and you can do the same. Okay, it simply takes your commitment. I'm gonna get better at this. This is all that it is. Honoring your starting place and then pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. Okay, aiming high to become the best. Don't aim low, aim high, become the best. It's literally that simple. I got nothing else to say. How's that? All right, remember the goal here, idea inception to execution is in a New York minute. We'll catch you next time. Make it a great day.